Wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out and leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, every day, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. The luck happened because I was showing up day after day to do the work. Stayallday.com. Stay exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach too. Hey you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreAllDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. You are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there, bow in offensively, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative, which is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unified philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is how we got here. And I'll explain to you why this topic is a topic in a minute. So before we do that, first of all, I'm going to tell everyone I have a daily motivation text message free of charge. I send out every day to everyone who's in my text community is straight to your phone. A message guaranteed to keep you focused, sharp, and on point. If that sounds like your cup of tea, and it should be since you're listening to this show, text me right now on my number, which is 305-384-6894. And every time I send out that daily motivation, you'll be getting it straight to your phone for free. As an added bonus, you can even respond to those texts. And I might even respond to you back because every day I go through those texts and respond back to some of the messages that I get. And the other thing I'll tell you before we get into the topic today is going to workonyourgame.net for all business professionals who are serious about increasing your income, taking yourself to the next level through process and strategy, not just hard work, talent, and luck. You ready to go to a different level? Go to workonyourgame.net. There's a 45-minute training that I recorded there. It's completely free of charge. Watch the whole training. At the end of that training, I will give you an opportunity to schedule a call with me, and we can get on a phone and talk about what exactly can help you implement those pieces into your business right now, specifically for you? That is all at workonyourgame.net free of charge. Now let's get into the topic, how we got here. So I like to do an episode like this every now and then, maybe once a year, maybe once every six months, maybe biannually, just to give people, the listeners here, a background of who I am and where I came from so that you know who it is that you're listening to on this show. Since I don't even remember when's the last time I did an episode like this, but it's been a while. And I do know that over the last 12 months, our listenership has grown significantly. So in the last 12 months from when I'm recording this, we have amassed over 2.3 million listens of this show. 2.3 million times 
someone has listened to an episode of the Work On Your Game Masterclass between the fall of 2021 and the fall of 2022. And as a matter of fact, just in August and September of 2022, we had our two best months, respectively, in the history of the show. So August was a new record in listens, and September beat August. It barely beat August, but it beat it. So it beat August by about 6,000 listens in the month of September. So we'll see what we do in October. That is to be determined. The whole point of me sharing that is that I know there are a lot of people listening to this show who maybe you just listen because you tuned in and you like what I was talking about and you enjoy it. But I want all of you to understand exactly who I am, the person who's putting these messages out so that you just know a little bit more about who you're getting your messages from. Why is this person talking the way that they are? So as a detour from the usual episodes. This is really just going to be me giving you the background of where I've come from and where I got and how I got to where I'm at right now so that you can have a better feel for who I am, why working your game is what it is, who it's for and where we're going. So I usually share little pieces of my background here and there anyway, when I'm explaining certain points on this show. So in this episode, what I'm going to do is basically synthesize all that together and give you a synopsis of the last couple of decades. It's not going to take me that long to explain it to you. The last couple of decades that will help you understand, again, who and why and where. All right. So I got basically seven points I'm going to go through here to explain where all this comes from. So first of all, let's start in sports. The topic, once again, is how we got here. So starting in sports. Now, my background, I think a lot of people really don't know a lot of this stuff. So I'm not going to keep telling you that you may already know. So I'm just going to say it all as it is. So I come from the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I now live in Miami, Florida. I've lived here since 2008. So I'm pretty much a Floridian now. But I come from Philadelphia, born and raised. I was always in the sports point growing up. So I played, you know, all the normal sports that you play in the hood coming up. So I played, you know, touch football because we didn't have grass in our backyards. We played, you know, backyard basketball. Somebody had one of those portable courts. We played kickball, et cetera. The first team sport that I actually tried was football. I thought football was going to be my sport because that's what we played in the driveways. We played football. And I went and tried out for a football team in uh, West Oak Lane in Philadelphia, where I'm from Mount Airy, but in West Oak Lane. I tried out for the football team, but I never really played football because I never got football equipment. My family couldn't afford football equipment, so I never really got into like tackling and hitting and all that stuff. So my football career was pretty short. Then I went on and played a little bit of baseball. Now, my dad's he is a baseball fan. He actually coaches youth baseball even to this very day. So I played some baseball for a few years, but I wasn't really that talented at baseball. I was okay, but the best I would have been at baseball is probably mediocre had I stuck with it. By around age 13 or 14, I knew baseball was not going to be my future. I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere with baseball. So finally, around age 14, I started playing basketball, and that's where I ended up staying. So when I first started playing basketball, though, at the same time, I was not good at basketball. No, I didn't have the skills. I hadn't been playing. And 14 is pretty late to start playing any sport that you plan on going somewhere in. Like I'm talking about playing in college, let alone playing professionally, even playing in high school. 14 is pretty late to get started, but that's where I was. So in the high school that I went to, which is called George Washington Carver High School of Engineering and Science, or ENS for short, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is in North Philly, 17th and Norris. I went to high school there, and at the time, ENS had only one basketball team. It was just the varsity basketball team. There was no junior varsity team. There was no freshman team. So Everybody just tried out. Everybody who wanted to play basketball just tried out for the main basketball team. Either you made one of those 12 roster spots or you didn't play. That was it. So I tried out for my high school team. Didn't make it my freshman year, sophomore year or junior year. All three years didn't make it, but I was still playing basketball. And slowly over these years, 
I felt like I was getting better at basketball, but I did not have any results, obviously, as I just told you. So I will go play at the neighborhood where I'm from, Mount Airy. I played at Finley Recreation Center in Mount Airy, also known as Uptown in Philly. And of course, the neighborhood kids will say, well, and the coaches in the neighborhood will say, well, Dre, I mean, you're playing all the time. You're out here at the playground playing all the time, but you're not making your high school team. And it didn't look like I was going to go anywhere in basketball, but there's nothing wrong with playing. I mean, if you want to play for fun, nothing wrong with that. So going into my senior year, this is my last chance to make the team. And most of the players in my neighborhood who were you know, going to go somewhere in basketball, like maybe have a chance of playing in college, they had already made their high school teams, at least by their junior years. I hadn't made it and I'm going into my senior year. But luckily enough, I did make it my senior year. I mean, it wasn't luck that I made it, but I made it, played my way onto the team in tryouts my senior year. But then even that year, I sat on the bench and scored two points per game. Now, those of you who don't know basketball, two points is not a lot. Now, if you're playing hockey or soccer, two points is a lot. But in basketball, two points is nothing. That means you made one shot the entire game. And the score in a basketball game could be like 80, 100 points. You scored two points. So that's what I did. That's where I was coming out of high school. So graduating from high school, somebody probably would have looked at me and said, OK, this guy, I mean, he can be something in life, but he's probably not going to be an athlete because nothing in my resume to that point said that I was going to be successful as an athlete. But you know, I did have some solid academics. I had solid grades at that point. I went to ENS. The high school that I went to is a magnet school, what they call. I think they have that everywhere. Everybody goes. They have magnet schools. Those are the kind of schools. It's not you don't just go there because you live in the neighborhood. You go there because you basically have to have a certain level of academic performance to be able to go to one of these schools. So I went to a one of those schools where you had to be pretty good academically just to get in. So since I had gone to that school, our weighted like grade point average, the weighted GPA against the whole city, mine was higher than you know, most kids simply because I had gone to a magnet school and I did okay. I wasn't an amazing student. I was good enough. I was a good enough student. I was a BC student. But again, weighted against the entire city because I went to a higher level school. My weighted GPA was actually higher than everyone else's. Not everyone, but a lot of other students. And my SAT scores were relatively high. I don't remember what I got on the SAT, but I know it was relatively high. So because of this, I was getting offers to go to colleges, not for sports, but for academics. Now, I wasn't getting scholarship offers. I was getting offers to apply to these colleges, and they offered these things called fee waivers. I don't know if you remember those. Well, any of you who's old enough to remember, I don't know if they do it now, but they have fee waivers. So to apply to a college, you have to actually pay money just to apply. I don't know if they do that now. They probably still do it. They probably raise the fees, as a matter of fact. But anyway, all these colleges would send me applications along with a fee waiver because I guess I profiled as a higher level student. So they allowed me to apply to their school for free. So I got the privilege to apply for free. So I applied to every college that sent me a fee waiver. I applied to like 20 colleges going into my or through my senior year of high school. And the school that I went to has a track record of sending most of their students to college, or at least most of their students get accepted to a college. They have like 100% acceptance rate. Not everybody goes, but everybody was accepted. So I applied to like 20 colleges. I got accepted into like, I don't remember the number. It was like 12 colleges I got accepted into because I applied to every single one of them that allowed me to. And we had this big bulletin board outside of the counselor's office as seniors. And all the seniors that would list all the schools we had been accepted to, because this was a point of like pride for the school that all of our seniors get accepted to colleges. So I had this long list of schools under my name, but you can only go to one school. Now, I didn't have any offers for sports because I wasn't doing anything sports-wise, but I knew I was going to go to college. I wanted to go to college, as a matter of fact, because I looked at college as a way to get out of my parents' house and get out of Philadelphia. Honestly, I wanted to go to somewhere like California or Florida or Texas or somewhere that was far away from Philadelphia because I knew that there was nothing wrong with where I was from. No, I didn't have any like, traumatic 
dysfunctional upbringing or anything like that. I have both parents at home. My parents were you no know, about you no know, do your schoolwork, do good in school, you no know, do your chores, etc. They weren't pushing me to play a sport or anything like that. But I knew that there were other things out there in the world that I wanted to see because even though back then the internet existed, it was nothing like what we have now. We didn't have smartphones, but we had TV and we had magazines. So I knew that there were other things out there in the world outside of just the town that I was in. So I basically looked at college as a way to give myself an excuse to go to one of those other places. So I wanted to go to a school that was like far, far away. So the schools that were far away from me, I was more excited to apply to those than the ones that were close by. But of course, I didn't know everything that I didn't know. So anyways, we get near the end of my senior year of high school. I had all these acceptances to college, but I didn't have any real reason to pick any one college. And my parents weren't saying it so much at this point, but I think they were concerned with, okay, well, whatever school this kid goes to, we're going to have to pay for it because I had a couple of like academic scholarships, but they were smaller scholarships. They would defer some of the costs, but not all the costs, as opposed to my sister, for example, who had a full scholarship to an Ivy League school. She was like a much higher level performer academically than I had been, obviously. So the end of my senior year, near the end of my senior year, a recruiter was coming to school, to our school from a different college. And the counselor who knew me said, Dre, you should come to this meeting that we're having tomorrow. This guy's coming from this college. I'm getting a bunch of you young men to come to this meeting. Now, why did she target me and why men? Well, this guy was coming from a college called Morehouse College, which is based in Atlanta, Georgia. Some of you may be familiar with it. Morehouse is an HBCU, which stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities. So Morehouse recruits and Morehouse is all men's college as well. So it's only men and it's an HBCU. So they were looking for black men and my school is predominantly black. So this particular day at my school, senior year, this recruiter comes in and he gives this whole presentation about Morehouse. And he's talking about what Morehouse is about. And he name drops some people who had gone there. I believe Martin Luther King went there. Spike Lee went there. A bunch of other prominent black men went to Morehouse College. It was a great feather to put in your cap to say that you are a Morehouse man. That's what they call somebody who goes to Morehouse and at least the people who graduated. And this guy even said that, you know, once a week at Morehouse, every man on campus has to wear a suit and tie all day. And this was something that gave me a little bit of trepidation, believe it or not. You know, nowadays, it's funny to say it. But back then when he said it, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. Every man wears a suit and tie all day, at least one day a week at Morehouse. And his reasoning, he explained, was that you all you men need to get prepared for how you're going to dress when you go out into the professional world. That's what this guy from this recruiter from Morehouse was saying. And we were all all of us guys. We we're all looking at each other like, yeah, I mean, it's good. everything else he says sounds good. But I don't know about that part right there. So ironic now. But that's what he said. So anyway, he gathers up all our information. There's only about eight of us in the room on this particular day. We were all young men who seemed to have good heads on our shoulders, but we didn't have a college lined up where we were going to go, even if we had acceptances. And he looks at everybody. Like we had to have our GPAs and our SAT scores on this information card. He looks through the information cards and he says to, there's a guy in the room named Eric. Eric was one of my classmates my senior year. He was a very on point student. So this recruiter, he tells Eric, all right, based on your GPA and your SAT scores, I'm going to offer you a full scholarship to Morehouse. He offered him a full scholarship right there on the spot. Now, I don't know if Eric actually went to Morehouse, but he offered him a full scholarship right there on the spot in front of all of us. And he looked at my stuff. He offered me a 50% scholarship to Morehouse right there on the spot. So the counselor was really happy for me that day. I went and told my parents about this. They were really happy because now I, at least I had a reason to pick a college other than, you no, know, I just you know, want to get away or whatever, you no know, random reason I had to go to a school. So my parents you know, were happy that I was going to be going to Morehouse and I was telling everybody I'm going to Morehouse. We're getting ready for graduation. I'm going to go to Morehouse. That's what I was thinking. Then my parents told me about a week before high school graduation, they said to me, look, we're not sure you're going to be able to go to Morehouse. 
And the reasoning was, any of you who goes and looks this up, the tuition at Morehouse, the 50% scholarship would take off half of it. The other half was still a lot of money. And I was an out-of-state student because I'm from Philadelphia. Morehouse is in Atlanta, Georgia. So the tuition at Morehouse, the last I looked, was $48,000 a year. So take half of that off. You still got $24,000 a year. That's a lot of money. My parents said, if we take out loans for you to go to Morehouse, we're going to be in debt for the rest of our lives. And my parents are not entrepreneurs. They had no nine to five jobs. They said, we'd be in debt for the rest of our lives. And they were probably right. And I had nothing to no push back against with that. So they said, look, you did apply to and get accepted to Penn State. Now, Penn State is, of course, in the state of Pennsylvania, like Philadelphia is, and the tuition was way, way lower. I mean, a lot lower. They said, why don't you just go to Penn State Abington, which is right outside of Philadelphia, live at home for your one or two years at Abington. Then after two years, then you can decide where you want to go from there. And being that I had no other options, I had no leverage in this conversation, I said I had no choice but to accept. So that's how I ended up going to Penn State Abington as a freshman in college. So that's where I ended up going, Penn State Abington. Now, going to Penn State Abington this is right outside of Philly. I'm still living in my parents' house. And this is what I was doing my freshman year of college. And I hated going to Penn State Abington. I hated it not because there was anything wrong with the campus. I mean, it's a tiny campus, only about four buildings. But I mean, this was not the college experience that I was thinking about when I looked at college, when I saw college in magazines and movies and TVs. It was nothing like what I was living at Penn State Abington my freshman year. Because again, they didn't even have dorms. There was no housing on Penn State Abington's campus. The good news about Abington, the one good thing about it was that I did make the basketball team. I went and walked onto the basketball team and was a starter on the basketball team as a freshman after barely playing four years in high school. Go figure. And that was all because I was just slowly getting better. I was, I guess, what you call a late bloomer in basketball, probably because I had started late. So go through that whole year. I played on the basketball team, did okay that year. That summer, this is one of the first turning points right here. That summer, I was working at, and I'd always worked. I started working when I was 15 years old, having just real part-time jobs outside of school. But that summer I was working at CVS, the convenience store. And I would usually work the evening shifts. I would get to work at like two o'clock and work till close, maybe 10 or 11 o'clock. So in the mornings, what I would do is I would wake up, eat breakfast, drive up to Penn State Abington's campus, which was about 20 minutes away from my house in Philadelphia. Work out because I would use the gym on the campus because I had access because I was a student and nobody would be in there. This gym would be dead empty in the summertime. Nobody there. Work out, use the basketball court, use the weight room, work on my game, come home, shower, get dressed and go to my job at CVS, work until closed. And the next day, wake up, do the exact same thing over again. I did that every single day in the summer of this is summer of 2001, just to give you all a frame of reference. Now, one particular day, I did not eat breakfast in the morning at home. I don't remember why, but I did. So I get up to the Abington campus and instead of going straight into the gym, I parked next to the gym. Then I walked across campus. I went into the cafeteria. So I go in the cafeteria and it's no relatively empty. There's a few stragglers in there, but relatively empty. I go grab me some food. I'm walking out of the cafe. I'm just going to eat the food while I'm walking across campus. Then I'll go work on my game as usual. This guy comes and approaches me and he says, hey, man, what position do you play? Now, I don't know this guy. And Penn State Abington is a really small campus very small. So I knew like every black face on campus. I knew them. Now this guy's a black guy and I don't know him. He's older than me. He's probably like my father's age, maybe a little bit older, but he's asking me what position I play. And I'm like, mind you, we're not even on the basketball court. And it's not like I'm walking around dribbling a basketball. I got on the shorts, but everybody wears shorts in the summertime. So how does he even, I'm thinking to myself, like, who's this dude? How does he even know who I am or that I play anything? And I just responded back to him like, well, how do you know I play? You know, because where I'm from in Philadelphia, uh, any of y'all who's from the South, it may be a little bit different or from different countries, but where I'm from, 
the Northeast part of the America, you don't go approaching people you don't know with any kind of friendly conversation. We don't do that. So when this dude approached me, I'm looking at him like I'm like defensive. Like, why are you even approaching me? I'm like, how you even know I play? He said, well, I'm just asking. And I told him, well, I play guard because I assumed he was talking about basketball. So he starts talking about, you know, what's your major? He starts asking me all these questions about what my major is and, you know, all the things like that. He finally pulls out his business card and I find out who this guy is. He works at a different campus in the Penn State system because Penn State's system has 23 branch campuses. So many of you know of Penn State, you know, the football team that's at State College. That's the main campus of Penn State. But Penn State has 22 other campuses all around the state of Pennsylvania, Abington being one of them. This guy worked at Penn State Altoona, which is another one of the branch campuses, which is the closest one to State College, probably about. 30 minutes away from State College PA. He hands me his business card. He works at Penn State Altoona. He works in the admissions department. He's a recruiter. So he goes around and recruits students to come to Penn State Altoona. Many people probably never even heard of Altoona. I had barely heard of the city of Altoona before he handed me that business card. But he had two jobs. The other job that was on his business card is that he's the basketball coach at Penn State Altoona. Now, why is this significant? Because Penn State Altoona at the time was a, is, still is, was at the time also a Division Three campus. Penn State Abington was not Division Three yet. It was Provisional D3, meaning at the time, if you went to Penn State Abington, you could only play two years of sports. After two years, you were no longer eligible. Your eligibility was over. So if you went to Abington for four years, which you could do, you only play two years of sports. So this is why another reason why I didn't like going to Abington, because even if I played on the basketball team, which I did, I only had two years of eligibility. After that second year, I would really need to figure something out. I wanted to figure something out immediately. So when this guy came to me with this car from Penn State Altoona, I immediately thought in my mind, okay, I'm going to Penn State Altoona. It didn't even matter what else he said. As soon as he approached me and I saw he was a basketball coach, I said, I'm going to this school. So he was recruiting me right there on the spot. And within about four days, the Penn State Altoona thing was done. So that's how I got transferred to Penn State Altoona to finish out my college career. Now, let me tell you why this is significant and why it matters so much. And I'm actually going to end up breaking this whole thing up into several episodes. Here. This is going to run long. But the reason why this matters so much is because transferring to Penn State Altoona for a few things. First of all, some of my best friends to this day are people who I met at Penn State Altoona. The reason why I ended up playing professional basketball overseas is because of people who I met at Penn State Altoona. And had I not been in the gym on my own volition, driving to campus at Penn State Abington every day on my own volition, to work on my game by myself. None of my teammates from that freshman year were coming to the gym to work out with me. They all knew where the gym was. They all had access just like I did, but none of them came to the gym. The basketball season ended. I never seen any of those guys in person ever again. They never came to the gym. The fact that I was going there every day to work on my game on my own choice is the reason why I ended up getting that lucky opportunity of running into this guy who ended up being a basketball coach at Penn State Altoona. And just as a side note, this guy had no idea who I was. He was not on the campus waiting for Dre to walk by. Now, he was on campus doing other business, but he later told me that when he saw me walk by the cafeteria that day, he sized me up and just assumed, because of his experience in basketball, he assumed that I looked like the kind of player that he knew he needed for his basketball roster the following season, and that's why he approached me. He didn't even know who I was or if I could actually play. He just assumed that I looked like I could play. And then after our conversation, that's when he went and did his due diligence to find out exactly who I was. That's when he called my coach and said, who's this dude, Dre, and found out more information about me. But he didn't even know. He was basically recruiting me sight unseen. It's like buying a house without going and looking at it. That's how he recruited me. So you want to call something luck? That is a lucky break. But I want you to understand how the luck happened. 
But luck happened because I was showing up day after day to do the work. The same thing that I tell you every day here on this show. That was the lucky break that took me from Abington to Altoona. And a lot of things happened because of that move from Abington to Altoona, from me showing up the way that I did. So what I'm going to do is cut this episode off here and we're going to break this up into pieces because there are too many pieces here for me to put this all in one piece. So I'm going to take it into part two. I don't even know how many parts this is going to take. It just depends on how long it takes me to tell these stories. But we're going to move on to point number two. As I tell you what ended up happening out soon, and then I'm going to tell you every detail. You can read some of my books if you want to know all the details. And then we're going to move on to the next parts of how we got here and you know who I am and why work on your game is what it is. So I will see you all in part two in tomorrow's episode. Two things for you to do now. Text me to get my daily motivation straight to your phone every day. My number is 305-384-6894. And go to workonyourgame.net. Get access to my free training, how to take your business to its next level through systems and strategies that is at workonyourgame.net. Work on your game. Dre all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused, and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number. 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge. 305-384-6894.